Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls alike, we are happy to have you once again listening to the award-winning podcast, Subway Series, Uncle Train and the Big Dog, featuring Matt from Hoboken. No joking, absolutely no joking, will be allowed on this podcast. If you continue to joke, you will be thrown out, fed to the bear. Really hate to see it, folks. We have not recorded in... Uh, almost hours. a full year. It's really been the you know the preseason. I think we had an episode. And that was it. But we're moving on. We are moving onward and upward, looking towards the 2022 season, which we are hoping that we do have. We are all expecting it. But we got the lockout going on, which we will give a quick little summary about what the fuck's happening on that front. Um, you know how we do it. We're talking Mets. We're talking Yankees. We got a section at the very end called Quick Predict Picks, brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. We're not actually sponsored by GEICO. I can't stand the GEICO commercials now. They used to have, like, you know, the... It used to be kind of funny, somewhat cheesy, and they've just, they'll just have the gecko talk in his Australian accent, wherever the fuck it is, for, like, 45 seconds. And talk about... They're not even, like, making any jokes anymore. He just talks, and then it's over. Terrible Geico commercials. You really hate to see it. Throw uh, back to the caveman. Bring, bring the back. caveman back. You know, the full show on Fox with the caveman was a huge blunder because that was just such a shitty idea. I and think they got, I like, know three that episodes, the three episodes before they got canceled. Uh, it, was a, it was a quick one and done. Uh, but without further ado, I believe we need to hit everybody with a fan favorite, Tommy Rowe, Sweet Pea. Come on, boy. How we doing? November 13th, 2007. Wait, the Caveman Show, what was the first one? October 2nd, 2007. Final episode date, November 13th, 2007. <laughs> less, less than a month and a half. Not bad, Caveman, not bad. It's got a 4.3. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's kick it off by just giving a brief overview of the state of the MLB right now. We are currently in lockout crisis mode. Imposed by the owners of all the MLB teams, a lockout, for those of you who don't really understand exactly what it is, it's essentially a strike, but from the owners. And you may be wondering, well, that's, that's fucking crazy. Why would these billionaire owners be on strike? Hmm, interesting. Sounds like they're a bunch of whiny little rich bastards sitting on their friggin' ass scooping the duty on from underneath their fingernails because they're scraping a little bit too hard. They ain't got shitty toilet paper. They're buying one-ply, half-ply, like they're owning a fucking corporation. Oh, wait, they are owning corporations. So you got to be wondering, folks, are they stealing the shitty toilet paper from the office buildings that they own to wipe their own bungholes, and therefore they're getting little, uh, little duty stains on them? Well, you hate to see it, folks, um, but either way, MLB is currently in a lockout. What does that mean? Well, it basically means that the players are locked out uh, from the company. So that means the players can't train in the team facilities. They can't use any of the team trainers. No you know, PT uh, personnel from the teams. There's no signing of new contracts, which is the big thing that we saw leading up to the expiration 
of the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners. That expired on December 1st. So what we saw a couple weeks back was there was a lot of signings happening, a lot of big contracts being dealt out because teams were getting nervous. You know, what's going to be the state of the offseason while we are potentially going into a lockout, which we did end up going into. What did we see prior to this lockout? Well, we saw Uncle Stevie, the owner of the Mets, flashing those big old pockets of his you know, he's walking around like, uh, who's the guy from the fucking DuckTales or something who's got the uh, the monocle, the old man duck dude, you know? That's kind of what Uncle Steve is looking like. Um, and especially on Twitter, he's sending out just the craziest tweets. He's looking like a friggin' insane psycho uncle that, you know, argues for Trump 2024 at your Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, honestly, you really hate to see it, but a lot of Mets fans are happy that finally the Metsies are spending big money to these big-time players. We saw the Mets start to address a couple issues that were a big pain point of their 2021 woes, right? The Metsies this past year were bottom 10 in almost every single batting category. Now, that you really hate to see. They can't steal bases for shit. They're slow as fuck. They can't hit with runners in scoring position. You know, they'll, they'll show signs that maybe they got some, some power going on. But then, of course, you know, you give it another week or two and right back in the pooper. So what did we do leading up to this lockout? The Mets signed a bunch of 33-year-old studs. We got Starling <laughs> the Darling Marte, who was an arguably the, the best free agent uh, center fielder who was on the market. We got Eduardo Escobar, who was an all-star this year, above average, very versatile defender. He could play all infield positions outside of shortstop pretty much. Um, he's a big power hitter, hitting ribeyes and dongs for days. And... We got Mark Canna from the A's, who is, you know, another above-average and versatile defender who has a solid on-base percentage uh, this past year and previous years as well. Um, so we, you know, we really saw some big adjustments to our, to our lineup, which was huge. We see some additional depth in the infield, which is something that obviously we were lacking. We had the bench mob this past year step up big middle of the season, Obviously, that did not hold up throughout the entirety of the season. When guys like Francisco Lindor were just not performing, what happens? Well, the team's going to start to be a big old-fashioned stanky poo-poo baked in the oven at 350, and you're dealing with a dookie pot pie. And that's really something that you don't want to have to deal with the whole season. So Matt from Hoboken, no joking, and I don't want to hear any jokes, because if you start joking, I'm going to toss you off the pot. But... What's your take on these three, you know, main acquisitions that the Metropolitans of Flushing Queens made in the last few weeks? Uh, obviously, it's nice to even see the Mets being willing to spend money after all these years of me boycotting the Wilpons and not going to any games because they refuse to spend every offseason. It'll yeah. be nice to be able to go to some games again. You love to see that. Welcome back to center uh, field, baby. Come on. Flushing Queens is missed the It's nice to have a real center fielder, a guy with speed who actually plays center field. Starling, uh, darling, he led the majors in steals last season. Yeah. So we he's, got some fucking wheels on the base pass now, finally. He's a super athletic guy, and the biggest thing about these signings for me is that they're all relatively short-term signings. Like, you look at Escobar's deal, that's two years with a club option. Yep. Canna's deal, two years of the club option. Yep. And then Marte, you know, a four-year deal, but you figure that's generally the going rate for a 33-year-old, like, all-star center fielder. Mm-hmm. You look at a guy like 
Lorenzo Cain a couple years ago, he got a very super similar deal to this one. Um, so I think the short-term deals are great. It lines up perfectly with the, you know, the conception that the Mets are trying to win now, but they're also trying to stock up their farm system for the future. Uh, they managed to sign no players so far that have the qualifying offer attached, so they get to keep both their first-round picks next year. Having those early picks are going to be huge. The yep. strategy so far has been very sound, um, and you know I think with these short-term signings, it aligns with it just in time for some of the higher-end talent in the minor league system for the Mets, You know who haven't really been above AA, but they got a lot of offensive uh, firepower down there. Guys like Beatty and Alvarez and Mauricio. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're ready to come up, these contracts that they just signed will be you know, expired, and you can get ready to re-up on free agents as you get these cheaper talent coming up. So uh, I'm very pleased with it so far. No complaints. And also, I'm, like, I'm baffled. The Mets tweeted a picture of David Wright in, like, black and white, just the back of his jersey, with, with like, big letters saying the captain, and they're making it look like he's dead. Like, it's an atrocity of a tweet. I can't stop looking at it. Why do they do that? Is he, is he going to be... For no reason at all. They're just like a horribly run okay. Twitter account. Interesting. And you really do hate to see it, folks. I mean, what's going on with the Mets Twitter? Well, you got to hire some new interns. They need a social media coordinator. Mm. Ah, looking at Hoboken, no joking. Come on, baby. Social will, media they coordinator. Will not be allowed to, they will not be allowed to hire uh, our social media coordinator. We have can't, uh, can't, can't a long-term deal with him. We have Matt from Hoboken, deal no joking. Yep, he's signed to Although, a four-year deal, seven mil. <laughs> You know, we're, we, um, can't, we can't just let him go for nothing. You know, that's what I'll say, Uncle Stevie. We can't just let him go for nothing. Absolutely. Miguel, I'm, I'm curious on how you feel about the Mets' moves uh, on the offensive side of the ball so far this season. Oh, yeah. As a uh, fan. Talk to us, big doggy duty, stay in the back of pantaloons. Talk to us. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about center field for the Mets forever. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had Kevin Pillar playing there a lot of last year. Yep, that was, that was uh, okay. The, the links were there to Springer all last offseason before he signed with Toronto. So, yeah, why not lock up the best center fielder on the market, especially because Michael Conforto uh, was likely to depart, um, yep. and he, he is probably not going to be on the Mets anymore. Um, yep. So Decline that Marte, offer. Right. You get Marte. You get Kanha, who I think Kanha, as you said, he's pretty underrated player. Uh, really good on base percentage Kana, guy. Kanha or Kanna? I, I don't know if it's a soft A or a harder A. I think I wish it was. Yeah, I wish I it was more Kana. Italian sounding, so we could like put him in the club with Lucchese and Porcello. Porcello, but, Ricardo Porcello. We could be like Kanha. We, we might need some more. We need some more guineas on the team. Um, and then Escobar, I mean, yeah, like he, you know, he can play all around the infield. He's another good hitter. Um, you know, with the departure of Javi Baez, why not get another guy in there who can play all over the infield? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say as, as a downside, and you said it already is that they're, you know, all on the wrong side of 30, but they're yeah. short term deals. Right. Um, you know, who, who knows how they're going to work out, but, uh, Marte is a really dynamic player. I mean, if he can come anywhere close to what he did this past year with the average, with the steals, um, play a solid center field. I mean, that's a guy that anyone would want to have on their team, and and that's why you were hearing pretty much like half the league in on that guy. Um, And four years, $78 million, he, he, uh, you know, he earned that uh, with the way he played this past year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a a great start for the the Mets. I mean, it's it's interesting, though, because – 
you know, Conforto was supposed to be this, like, you know, I, I remember talking with Olton uh, while the offseason was going on, you know, last year, and we oh, were Conforto, thinking, like... a.k.a. the king of queens, a la Scott Boris. <laughs> and <laughs> and we were thinking, like, and we were thinking, like, this guy is probably going to get around what George Springer, you know, was going to get. And so, like, you know, you do lose that that potential, but he really didn't pan out, especially, I mean, this last year. He was good before that. Um, so it's interesting I've, to now replace him with, with a couple of guys, and it's also going to be interesting to see where Conforto goes and uh, how he how he performs. Is that something that the Mets are going to uh, regret a little bit um, if he you know bounces back and becomes a, an all-star, which I think is within the range of, of possibilities? So um, good solutions all around, but I think it will be interesting to see what happens to Conforto moving forward. Yeah, I don't want to like get too far off topic here, but like when I think of Michael Conforto, I think about how we like have been saying like we just want to like throw away like that COVID season, and I think it was like very easy to fall in love with the statistics mm-hmm. of the players on your favorite team from that shortened season, and like believe that that's like the players that they were actually becoming. For a full season, like I, you look I at a guy like Conforto, no. who like crushed it that season. Dom Smith looked like he was becoming the hitter he was in the minor leagues when he was playing yeah. like in Vegas. You know, it was just like you think that they're becoming one thing, and then they go back to a full season, and it's just not sustainable for them to perform like that for an entire year. And uh, yeah. that's yeah, you're I right. think Fair, Conforto he, he was, was a victim of that. He was he, very he, good. He was in, solid before that. Twenty nineteen. I mean, twenty nineteen is an all star. The, the key thing that stuck out was his average. His average in the COVID year was, like, way over 300. But if you look at his average, his career average prior to that and given this past year, he's, like, you know, he's, like, a 250, 260 hitter maybe. Yeah, he, he'll hit, he'll give you, like, 25 to 30 dongs, which, yeah, it's, it's solid. It depends what you're looking for, though. Um, it's all, and that's, that's the thing. It's all about, you know, the team needs. And one of our biggest issues, like, homers really wasn't an issue for us. I think getting on base was an issue, right? Our, our on-base percentage... Getting on base and timely hitting. He, he gets on base, though. I mean, he's a career 356 OBP player. I mean, he gets I, on base. You know what? I stand corrected. He, I, he, I stand corrected. He, no, I mean, career career 255 average with a 356 OBP. I mean, that's, you know, especially the way that people hit this past year, that's that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. it, he, I mean, listen, I who knows, but it, it, there, this is the type of guy, like, it reminds me on a different level, before I get jumped on for saying this, but... Reminds me kind of of the Wheeler thing. Like, you know, Wheeler got signed to a big deal because of potential. He never really had the, except for that one second half, he didn't really ever live up to it with the Mets. He's always hurt. I, yeah. I can see it happening with Conforto. He's a good player who I think maybe hasn't realized uh, all the potential yet. But we're going to see. We'll we'll, uh, we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah. So the other, I mean, the other big move that obviously we got we, we to gotta talk about is Mad Max Scherzer. Uncle Stevie decided to just shell out record number uh record amounts of money per year for mad max scherzer three year 130 mil that's an average of 43 mil per year plus what's the additional money matthew additional money oh uh 15 million per year in deferred money from the nationals so he the the boy is raking in a, a cool 58 million a year for the next few years yep some pretty pennies Not bad. per year not bad at all, doggy duty staying in the back of the pantaloons. So like we said, COVID year was a bunch of bullshit. Now Scherzer's numbers, since, the, uh, since 2013, 
He has not finished, again, outside of COVID season, has not finished lower than fifth in the Cy Young voting. He's won the Cy Young three times since 2013. He's been an all-star every fucking year. I've watched this dude dismantle the Mets. I was at City Field, me and me and Eves. Uh, we were at City Field for Scherzer's no-no at the end of that magical 2015 season. We were, we were pretty hammed at that game. I believe we walked into the stadium, already had been slugging a little bit of fireball in the seven line, and... Uh, the line for the concession stand um, line was a little too long, and we had already gotten there a little bit late. We were like, it was the middle of the first inning. I love getting there early, but we got there in the middle of the first. Lines were too long. We were starving. Took a napkin. <clears throat> excuse me. Took a napkin. Fisted some sauerkraut from the topping station and got to our oh. seats and just nibbled on the sauerkraut for a little bit. No, it was, it's fine. That I, I don't, don't want to hear the. Disgusting. No, you got a mancha. <laughs> you got to tie yourself over. It's a hell of a meal. And then Hell you get, and then you go for the full chicken fang bucket in section four twenty, or the uh, the helmet nachos in section four twenty one. Moral of the story is, we were at that no hitter. We witnessed Max Scherzer firsthand just pick apart the Mets, sauerkraut or no sauerkraut. And this dude, he, I mean, he, he's got the fire, he's got the intensity, he's like Jeffy Mack, you know, when he gets pissed at himself, you, the camera angle of him in the dugout, and he is just friggin' wailing on his thighs, you know, smashing his head with his. Uh, with his glove, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very excited, obviously, to see Max Scherzer in the blue and orange. Dude is just a workhorse. I mean, he's he is one of the most consistent pitchers year after year. I know there was the stuff, you know, in the postseason, complained about having a, a dead arm. The Dodgers ran him out there in the wild card game and then pitched him in game two of the uh, division series. So, yeah, I would expect a, a 37-year-old dude to have a little bit of a sore arm pitching two days uh, with two days rest, but say la vie. Uh, that's the world we live in. He's a stud. I mean, it's crazy. I think. Crazy. I think. I think we saw uh, like the first instance of Cohen really flexing the financial might on the open market. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a guy. It just seemed like he wasn't going to be denied on this. You know, I think we all went into the offseason thinking he's definitely going to the Dodgers. Yeah. If that's if it's not going to be the Dodgers, maybe the Giants could could. You know, get him away. We we heard all this nonsense that we always hear about players and their geographical location preferences, which I I believe they have. But at the end of the day, they're going to whoever gives them the most money in the large, large majority of circumstances. And I think that uh, from everything we heard, this was by far the most lucrative deal he was going to get. He's uh, I think he's big in the players' union. So the fact that this guy's raking in fifty eight mil a year from two yeah. teams, I mean, yeah, he. He set the tone, um, you know, and he and he's earned it. I mean, he's unbelievable. I think the Mets have, if they can stay healthy, one of the the great uh, one-two punches that we've ever seen. Seeing um, him and Degrom together is just going to be a thing of beauty, right? And so, well, for you, not for me. I'm going to hate Come it, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it's going to be interesting to see how they round out their rotation. Um, yeah. They did lose Stroman. Didn't seem like they were too interested in him. It, it's kind of interesting hearing now that the Mets were very willing to pay both Scherzer and Kevin Gaussman. Um, so that would have been real interesting. You know, if you had DeGrom, Scherzer, Gaussman, now you don't have to worry so much about, you know, how, how great the four or five are. But mm. um, interesting that they were willing to do it for Gaussman, but they didn't want to do it seemingly for Stroman. I wonder what the reasoning was there after he was so good for them this past year. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably never actually know, um, which sucks, but... Uh, it is interesting to me that they were willing to do that. It tells me they might not be done. 
um, you know, with, with what they're willing to do. The free agent market getting a little dry on the starting pitching. No, uh, no players of the caliber of Marcus Stroman uh, anymore, except for uh, Justin Verlander's healthy. But trade market going to be really interesting for the Mets, I think, uh, you know, to fill out that rotation. Um, so Also with Thor I, taking decli- declining the qualifying right. offer going to the Angels one year, uh, was it 21 mil? Also and that's Hendricks. another early pick that we get to stock up that farm system. So oh, I mean, up, that's, baby. that's like a big win for the Mets. Oh, yeah. And like I was saying before, being able to spend all this money, flex on them, collect picks, build up the farm, keep going with that sustainable winning mindset, build mm-hmm. up the analytics department. Uh, in terms of Scherzer, I don't really have a lot of concern, like you were saying, about the dead arm. Like... Nah, he'll be Break, breaking news. Thirty-seven-year-old is tired after pitching two days prior. Yeah, um, like, what do we really expect in that circumstance? So, uh, I'm excited. You know, I, when I was listening to the pod, like the beginning of the pod from April, that episode, mm. we were talking about how awesome Degrom's start had been, and I was grouping him with like some of the best pitchers that I've seen in our generation. And it was like my list. I think it was like Pedro, Randy Johnson. Um, Gibson and Roger Clemens. You were saying Gibson, Koufax. I mean, it was well, that type no, of thing. It, it was. I'm talking about pitchers that pitchers that I had seen. Uh, so like it was it was Pedro, Randy, Clemens. Like putting him in that group, and then I had mentioned people like Kershaw, which is like fair. And then I mentioned Verlander, and then it's like okay, cool. But is Max Scherzer underrated? Like, how did I miss him in that list? He is. A three-time Cy Young Award winner, one of the best pitchers of our generation. I would say probably better than Verlander. I think that's and from I just completely forgot about him. So I apologize to Mad Max for missing him on that list back in April. If we Um, want to expose all of our cult takes, we could probably have an entire episode dedicated to it. (laughs) We could, Uh, but it's exciting, and I definitely don't think that the Mets are done. You know, maybe we see a little Coochie Man action, maybe a little Radon. Coochie Man. In the back of the rotation. Um, You know, I could definitely see Jeffy Mack being traded for an arm, a back-end arm. Uh, Jeffy Mack, he's coming back. He's coming back. I know you want him to come back. I don't think he's going to be coming back. I want to see him yelling at himself in the dugout. Him him and Scherzer together, just absolutely going at it. Too too mad, man. But, no, it's been a fun offseason so far. Yeah. Do we need to For us, not for Miguel. Are we going to talk about front office, or should we just skip it? Billy Epp. Decent signing. Good oh, background. Billy Epp? Oh. Good, good scouting background. Billy Epler. Couldn't Yay. sign one pitcher. Very ironic. Billy Epler. <laughs> so, oh real quick, God. let's just talk about Billy, Billy Boy. Sweet Billy Boy. Billy Epler. They got Epler. Introducing the new GM for the New York Mets, Billy Epler. I don't know. Everyone's thrilled about big old Billy Epp. Uh, so he was been, he's been the GM for the Angels for the last five years. They have not had a winning season in the last five years with. But the can you really blame of our the great Billy Epler? I the mean, fish come on. Man, Mike Trout. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, it, really, no one's excited about Billy Epler. To be completely honest, anyone who exudes some excitement is really grasping at straws. So. We can kind of just glance over this Billy Epler. Uh, Do not speak ill of Billy. Oh, I mean, come on. Oh, Billy sweet Billy boy Epler. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's been a shit show prior to hiring Billy. We had Jared Porter, who was hired last fall. Boom. Fired for sexual harassment. Absolute dick. You hate to see it. 
Then his the interim GM, Zach Scott, boom, fired for a DUI a couple months ago. You really hate to see it. Uh, so now we got Billy Sweet, Billy Boy. Let's see what he could do. He was a scout with the Yanks way back in the day. Assistant GM to Cashman uh, became the GM of the Angels. We know what happened. So... I don't know. Fuck it. It is what it is. More importantly, that's also got rejected I'm, by about twenty candidates before know, uh, Sweet Billy took the job. So. No, no, well, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's sweet. Thing. Nobody wanted to be the GM. Sweet of this. That's what Billy. it came down to. So we take Billy Sweet Billy Boy. <laughs> but now we're shifting our attention to hey, our. Hey, he's got a great picture of himself in sunglasses. Okay. <laughs> It's a very cool picture. It's always the one that they choose when they post an article about him. Every time. Yep. <laughs> every time. It's the only good picture. <laughs> so we're shifting our attention to a manager search because we still don't have one. We're hoping by the end of next week to have landed a manager. Uh, I, I am expecting us to end up with Buck Showalter. Oh, Bucky Show. Uh, Bucky Show Show. Uncle Buck. You'll love to see it. He is a Young Buck. Three-time AL Manager of the Year across three different decades. So this dude has quite a the resume. Um, he has a history of turning around losing teams into winning teams. He also has a history of the team that he manages winning the year right after he leaves that team, which he has done twice, one with the Yanks, one with the D-backs. Um, regardless... You know, we've seen him turn the O's around. They had their first winning season with him. It was like the first time in like 12 years that they had a winning season. Uh, you saw him take on the D-backs in 2000 or 99, and it was their second year since inception. They won 100 games that year. So if we do land Bucky Shosho, I'll be very optimistic about what he could do with the team. Lead the boys to a World Series in 2022. Let's see, folks. Um, but... With that all being said, I believe it is time for a word from our sponsors. Come on, you can do it. Peloton, Peloton. We're talking about the motherfucking Peloton. You ride your bike. You can ride with any instructor that you like. It's a Peloton. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Peloton or riding bikes, cashing checks. You gotta love it, you gotta suck it. Everyone's got a Peloton now. I do not, so not everybody. But a lot of people got them. A lot of the Shank Ballers, big shout out, got them. Paulie Tots, CJ the Kid, Shanky Boy, they're all riding the freaking Peloton. So, hey, anyone who's everyone is riding a goddamn Peloton. So get yours today. You can ride with who are the instructors, Hoboken? Yeah, I'm gonna self bonk myself preeminently. Uh, big shout out to Kendall Tool. Uh, big shout out to Olivia Motto. Livy, come on. Uh, two two queens, you love them. Yep, yep. Big shout out to uh, Olivia and Kendall, our favorite Peloton instructors. Bonk for Matthew from Hoboken, no joking. Get yourself Peloton today. Come on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Unfortunately, I bring you to the least desired segment of the podcast. We're talking stankies, so you're gonna have to. Bear with us as we hear from the big dog, Duty Stain, back at the pantaloons himself, Miguel. So the Yanks have been awfully quiet in this offseason pre-lockout period. Uh, you saw that Metsy's making some big splashes, and the Yanks seem to be sitting pretty silent. Uh, what's going on with the Bronx Bombers? Um, curious, to, curious to hear your thoughts. 
Yeah, so a lot of thoughts coming through the old uh, noggin uh, the last couple weeks. Um, kind of have gone back and forth on this. Uh, going to start by just saying the Yankees have a really flawed roster coming into the offseason. They sure do. Uh, they Yankees. They won 92 games somehow. I, I, I mean, if you watch them all year like I did, it's almost unfathomable that they somehow won 92 games, got into the postseason. Um, but really, their offense never clicked all year. Uh, outside of Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, really nobody ever got going. You got underperformances from players all across the board. Yep. Um, you know, the pitching staff was actually pretty good overall. Uh, you know, they have some interesting pieces in the bullpen, um, you know, and, and everything like that. But they have a flawed roster. They need to get more athletic. They need to get more contact-oriented. They need to get better defensively. You know, it'd be alarming if the front office didn't agree with everything that I just said, uh, but they do. So that's that's the good thing. From from the beginning uh, or from the midseason last year till now, it's been a pretty consistent message that, you know, from the front office, from Hal, from Cash, that, you know, this team needs to become, you know, more in line with everything that I just said. The players need to play better. And they, they backed do. that up by by bringing back Aaron Boone, uh, much to the dismay of the fans. Mm. Um, but but Aaron Boone is is back as the manager of the Yankees. I'm not going to get into my uh, my overall feelings on that one, but um, you know that that to me says you know we need to upgrade this roster. Okay, so now free agency hits. There's a lot of pieces. Yankees mentioning that they want to prioritize shortstop and center field specifically. I think we all know that they want to prioritize pitching as well. And uh, everything everything that we're hearing also says that they might uh, look to get a first baseman um, and a catcher potentially to replace Gary Sanchez. The but uh, the market there is a little bare. So get to free agency. Every Yankee fan expecting big splashes right away, especially when you see the Crosstown Metsies do it, especially when you see some of these other teams do it as well. A lot of money is being dished out, and all the Yankees have done so far is sign Jolie Rodriguez, who was on the team last year. I'm telling you, folks, it would be electric in Yankee Stadium if we start singing Jolene. When Jolie comes in, I've been saying this since last season. You know, uh, fans will be going uh, check, check the Twitter receipts. Probably the last tweet I have. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I've gone back and forth on this. You know, at first I was kind of frustrated. You know, watching players go off the board. Couple, a few of the shortstops, a few of the starting pitchers that the Yankees could use. Yankees need a center fielder. Starling Marte goes off the board. So there's a lot of pieces there that you know the Yankees could have used, and it's frustrating to not be a part of that. But then you take a step back and you look at it with some logic. And I actually don't think it's crazy, crazy. I mean, most of the fan base won't do it, but I am here to be the voice of reason. Big Dog, the most logical Yankee fan. Most of the fans are chirping on Twitter. Everyone's chirping. chirping. Everyone's chirping. You know, but here's what I think. So first off, Hal Steinbrenner, right? He's getting this rap now that he's a cheapskate. Oh, Oh, shallow Hal. It's an unbelievable rap to get when you consistently have one of the, the highest payrolls in baseball. I, I know all the counter-arguments. I know all the counter-arguments to it. I'm not going to address them all. It's just a ridiculous thing to call him, in my opinion. But they profit. They profit $400 million a right. year. All right. So we're, we're just going to move past that because we all think that's ridiculous. Um, so anyway, it's and I said this when we recorded yesterday, too. 
But this is a... It's the people a aren't supposed to know that. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. well, they, they'll know it. For our award-winning <laughs> listeners, we recorded an entire episode yesterday, and our audio was dog shit. You it, have to see it. Or I actually it said... Right in the beginning, I accidentally said, when you were like, feels like we haven't recorded in a while, and I said, it's been 24 hours. So... <laughs> Come on. So if you, didn't, if you don't back. know, now you know. Come on. Needed a little test run. Anyway, so... At the end of the day, as fans, we don't always want to see it this way, but these teams are run like a business. And when you're in business, you want to know what the rules are uh, that you're going to have to abide by before you start making humongous financial investments. A lot of teams are going to... sell high. Right. It's crazy. So... Right now, Yankees are hovering around a, approximately $214 million payroll. That would be above the luxury tax threshold uh, that, that currently exists, um, mm-hmm. although it's expected to go higher. And so I think that you know it makes sense that they want to understand what the repercussions are uh, you know, before they make any significant financial commitments to some of these players. I, I think that's fair. I think it makes sense. I think you also take a look at it and you say, okay, what other teams haven't really made noise? What other teams are waiting for this? And you see you have the Dodgers who, yes, they signed Chris Taylor, but they lost Max Scherzer. They lost Corey Seager. They haven't really made a lot of noise yet. Mm -hmm. You have the Houston Astros who you thought had Justin Verlander signed, but they did not get it done. So they stand to lose Carlos Correa. Um, So and they haven't really done anything yet. You ha- or they signed Hector Norris, if, if you want to call that a big move. Um, I'm not going to, but uh, that's about all they did. You have the San Francisco Giants, who signed back a couple of players but lost Kevin Gaussman. Um, and you have the Atlanta Braves, who haven't even committed to bringing back star player Freddie Freeman. Um, so the Yankees actually, and don't get me wrong, the Yan- and, and I'll also mention the Red Sox, known as a, a pretty smart team. All they've done is sign Michael Walker, Rich Hill, Traded away Hunter Renfro, who was great for them last year to get Jackie Bradley Jr. and a couple prospects. So all of these teams, these teams that are known to be the smarter teams in baseball over the last several seasons, have remained quiet. And it's probably because they are all waiting for some more guidelines on what is going to be coming down in this new CBA. Yes, you did have teams that spent, but take a look at who they were. You have the Mets with the richest owner in the entire sport who wants to make a splash, who needs to get this team back on track without yep. trading assets from the farm. Mm-hmm. You have the Mariners, who have the longest postseason drought in uh, regular or in professional sports right now. It's been like 21 years since they've made the playoffs. You have the Rangers, who have been itching to spend money with a new ballpark for several years at this point yep. and have been linked to a bunch of free agents, haven't gotten it done. And they go ahead and sign Corey Seager to a 10-year, $325 million contract, Marcus Simeon to seven years, 175 So they, they lock up that middle of the infield, but they don't really have a lot else around them. And then you have the Jays who, yes, they signed Kevin Gaussman, um, but they also lost Robbie Ray. So I'm going to call that actually a net negative. Uh, it might not end up being that way, but and they locked up Barrios. But the truth is, like, around the league, there's still a lot of players left. This ideal offseason that so many fans want to see where they sign the big shortstop, where they get Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman or bring back Anthony Rizzo, or where they get a center fielder that you know is more dynamic than what we think Aaron Hicks is going to be. All of that can still happen, and it's going to, like, some of it, if not all of it, is going to happen on the back end of this offseason, or the back end of this CBA being agreed to. 
Um, so I don't like listen, I, I understand the frustration. I don't think it's all warranted. Um, I think the front office has told you that they see it the same way that you do now. Um, and this concept of them like going into the next season with Andrelton Simmons at short and Anthony Rizzo at first and like a journeyman starting pitcher with upside as the as the blueprint is like I, I just don't see it. They're gonna do more than that. I think there's gonna be at least one big move. In my opinion, there's prob- probably got to be two at least, but. I just think you got to give them a chance um, on the back end of this thing to see exactly what's going to happen. But that's just my two cents. I'm curious to hear what uh, the two of you think about this, um, you know, as uh, outsiders looking into uh, Yankees Twitter absolutely blowing up over the last couple of weeks. I can't imagine the Yankees do not dish out some sort of a godfather contract to someone like Carlos Correa or pitchers like Kershaw or Granke. Um, obviously, they're pitching. Their bullpen is, is, has been and will, I think will continue to be pretty strong, but that rotation needs to be bolstered. And you, while you got guys like Granke and Kershaw still available, I would imagine you know one of them could end up on the Yanks. I could see a similar thing happening with position players, you know, like uh, signing Carlos Correa to a huge mega deal. Who's to say it's out of the question? So upon the lockout ending, I am fully expecting to see the Yanks go you know, right back to their evil empire ways, like the Mets have kind of been doing. Um, but they're going to say, hey, no, no, no. We are the evil empire of New York. And boom, I think we're going to see some explosions in the uh, free agent market. I think that uh, Miguel's take is like very fair and calm. Um, and I do think that they will do something. I'm not as optimistic as maybe the two of you are that they will go and make like a huge splash or like two pretty big splashes um like Miguel was saying before like they like Hal very much views this as a business and not like the heart and soul of his being compared to like you know everybody likes to compare him like to his father and like oh George would never allow this like George would see Steve Cohen uh, dropping like all this money across town and like having imme- a dick measuring contest. Imme- immediately they'd be whipping it out would've and like nuts. seeing who's bigger. Would've and it would have been crazy. Quite but literally. Hal like doesn't have the uh, <laughs> Hal doesn't have like that same like lack of composure, I guess I would call it. Like just like that hot headedness that would like drive the competition like that. He's calm and collected. So I can see them easily going out and, like, I thought Schwarber should have been a Yankee last offseason. Like, I can see them going out and getting, like, a high average annual value guy like Schwarber, a guy that will be another big bopper in the middle of that lineup, can be in there with Judge and, and Stanton. You know, last season we saw for the Yankees, Stanton should very much be, like, a regular outfielder for them. No doubt. So, yep. no so doubt. It, it frees up a spot where you could bring in a guy who would really be like a DH for you on a, a more regular basis. So Nelson I can Cruz. see a guy like Schwarber, maybe a little Nelson Cruz think, action. I think it needs but to be someone who can play too, the field a little bit. too many dongs in the yeah, Well, Nelson bit. Cruz literally like can't move. So it would have they to be some, someone who could actually play the field a yeah. little bit. If yeah, you got, you got to rotate those uh, guys and like give them time off. So like... They don't need to be going out and playing the field and risking Schwarber, getting hurt. Schwarber would be uh, a perfect fit for that. Schwarber would be a great fit, I think. And then, like, Cashman's maybe... loved him for a long time. Yeah, yeah and for a good reason. I mean, he's a fantastic hitter. Uh, yeah. and, and, like, in that that ballpark, he would be a great addition. So mm-hmm. I can see that. And maybe, like, a middle-of-the-rotation arm. Um, 
you know, like Radon or uh, Coochie Mang. So um, I get, they're not they're not going to do nothing. Like right. there will be moves and they will improve the team. I just don't think it's going to be like oh the Yankees swoop in and sign Carlos Correa to like a huge deal. Oh, I like, don't. I- I don't think they're signing Carlos Correa if, if the asking price is going to be like ten three fifty. I I don't think that's going to happen. Short term contract and, they would do, right? Like and and that's the, that's the other part of it that I wanted to mention is like there were five top shortstops on this market. Two Why of them would you went not to sign Texas. Carlos Correa to a long term deal though. What, what, I, what's I the rationale? Like, he's, I, he's young. The dude's only twenty seven. The, the yeah, rationale they, against it is like. First off, like a lot of times these long ten year plus deals don't work out. So that's one that's one part of it. Yeah. There that's like something that baseball, like a lot of teams want to get away from, even though we st- we still see a couple every offseason, but in general I think the the general consensus is like that's not always the greatest idea. Um and then especially with, with a team like them, they've already got Cole on the nine year massive contract. Mm. They've got they I can't think pitch in the postseason six, for what that's worth. They've got six or seven. That's a little crap, but they they've got six or two seven. Innings. Unbelievable two innings. They've got the six or seven more years of John Carlos Stanton at, on a contract that actually right now doesn't look terrible in my opinion because they only have to pay about twenty two point seven a year. He's healthy. And then I think the other thing you have to acknowledge is that they're probably going to want to lock up Judge, and that's going to that's going to cost money. So that's three big contracts right there. I, I don't know if you want to give another massive, massive deal to Carlos Correa, who also has had back problems as like a 27-year-old. That's a little concerning. Um, hey, what are you trying to say? Uh, cops, my back. Oh, I'm not on. giving you – I would give you a $400 million contract, though, then. Uh, <laughs> Man, that's but, a good friend right there. Good friend. But, but along with that, like, I'm, not, I'm obviously going to be psyched if they, if they get him for that, but I could see he's why also, it's causing – He's also a cheating sack of Duke. Let's not forget that. Carlos I could also, is an absolute cheater and a piece of shit. Continue, Michael. Sorry. I could also, like, so I could also see why you don't want to do it. And then I, the, I, the other thing I want to say is, like, the guys who have gone off the board so far. All right. So you have Starling Marte, who was the best center fielder on the board. He went Starling to the Mets. Yep. But just, like, lo- logic perspective on this, the Yankees have a deal that they signed, and it's in the middle right now, with Aaron Hicks that was 7 for 70. So if you wanted them to sign Marte for four seventy eight, you're asking them to invest about one hundred fifty million dollars in uh, a, an aging center fielder and a guy who maybe is not going to be a great center fielder. But two guys that won't really be great center fielders for very much longer. So fair, fair. I, I mean, you could see why that, that t- they didn't want to do it. Fair. Then you have the shortstops that went off the board. Did you really want to sign the thirty one year old Marcus Simeon to a seven year one hundred seventy five million dollar deal? Because I know I sure didn't. No. And then you have Corey Seager, who got 10 for 325, which I don't like that number anyway. And I really like Corey Seager, but I don't like that number anyway. But then you have to factor in that he signed with the Texas Rangers. So that means that he doesn't have that state income tax, which means that the Yankees really would have had to blow that out of the water and give a lot more money than than even Francisco Lindor got to to match it. Folks, you got it. You got to pay attention. so just, like, take a look at that, and you could understand why they didn't sign one of these guys just yet. And now, if if you have Trevor Story or Carlos Gray, if one of them doesn't get this massive deal that everyone's expecting them to get, could could that play into their hands? And are, aren't you a lot happier with that? Because I certainly am. So 
Um, I think you just got to give them a chance, let them roll this up. I think they're going to make a trade. I think they're going to figure out the rotation. They're going to do some things on the back end of this. And yes, I will reserve the right to be very, very angry if we go into the season with Simmons and Rizzo and nothing else done. Uh, I just don't see it happening, but I will be pissed off along with everyone else if that happens. But they know that this team needs to get better, and that's not the way to make them better. Miguel, I got to ask real quick. Will you go to a single game this year if their only moves are Andrew Elton Simmons at shortstop and then their yearly $5 million donation to the Brett Gardner charity? <laughs> Hell yeah. And honestly, I, like I will go to games. I will go to games. And honestly, the disrespect that Brett Gardner gets from Yankees fans is just <laughs> mind-boggling. I mean, this guy has been a great Yankee. Like, I, I know he's not like this guy that... You, you don't got to keep bringing him back at this point. Well, okay, but here's the thing. They have tried to bring him back as, like, a bench guy for the last, like, three years, and it just doesn't work, like, because they get hurt and he gets thrust into a million games that he wasn't supposed to play in. So as a bench guy, I think he's still fine. Do I think that they could do better in that spot now? Yes, I do, 100%. But I love Brett Gardner. Not going to speak ill about him. And I uh, can't wait till he comes I, back to old timers. They I feel like I need now. To, we give him a big stand. I need to compliment Gardner real quick because I feel like I disrespect him now. Uh, he is his athleticism is timeless. He's somehow almost forty years old and still yeah, ridiculously great. fast, like quick He's switched. Good. And, and so. his eyes are just ridiculously close to his nose. That's it. He's had a great career. <laughs> I mean, he's had a great career. I think there's too much disrespect. And uh, if he's on the Yankees as like a fourth or fifth, uh, he's got to, He would have to be the fifth outfielder. You have to be the fifth outfielder for it for it to be like uh, for it to make sense. All good points. So let's see what happens with the uh, Bronx Bombers. Time will tell. Time will tell. Matt Olson, baby, come on. We're Without changing that up. That's me, baby. <laughs> we will have another word from our sponsors. Welcome to the Talk. Ride that fucking bike. We got some great instructors. Whether you like, we got Heather. Who else, Matt? Yeah, Lydia. Peace out. Watch your mouth. Peloton, Peloton. It's the motherfucking Peloton. You wanna ride it till you can't ride no more. You ride on a dirt bike, big truck. Big wheels, I don't give a fuck, it's the motherfucking Peloton. Peloton, ride of your life. <laughs> fuck you. It's Peloton, baby. We're fucking riding. We're not stopping for anyone. You can ride with anyone you like, anyone you want. Peloton's got you. Everybody, come on. That's the new motto for Peloton. Uh, you can thank us later, representatives of Peloton. We will give you that advertisement gratis, free of charge. Uh, plaster it all over the friggin' city. Come on, boy. What do you say? What do you say now, boy? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is time for the special segment of the pod. Today we have quick predict picks. Oldie but a goodie. I actually don't know if it's only been a good because I don't think we've ever really done... Well, we've, we've done predictions. We do predictions for fucking everything. That's usually our segment. It's usually predictions about something. Uh, but Unless we're playing Who the Fuck Is That? Who the fuck is that? We'll do that mid-season. That's, that's a fan favorite for sure. That and realistic or real big duty stick. But right now, we're doing quick predict picks. Some quick prediction picks about what might happen once this lockout is lifted. 
We got a couple uh, free agents. There could be a couple trades. Who knows what's going to happen? Duty stain? No joking? Let's get at it. I can start off, if you're okay with that. Please do. I am going to make the prediction that a young man by the name of Clayton Edward Kershaw is going to sign with the Texas Rangers. Now, Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Edward Kershaw, he was born in Dallas, Texas. How about it, folks? So Did boy, you know he went to high school with Matt Stafford? His DNA, really? You didn't know that? That's like all they so. talk about. Oh. <laughs> oh, the boys. Um, they are boys. Oh, they play football together. That's nice. Um, oh, the boys. That's what oh, you mean the boys. Oh, surely you couldn't mean the boys. Clayton E. Kershaw going back to his roots in Texas. We saw the Rangers dish out some big deals for Seager and for the Seaman Monster. So obviously they are looking to actually compete. Um, their rotation is absolute doggy doo-doo in the back of sta- in, uh, stained in the back of the pantaloons. Their ace right now I think is John Gray. And they got Dane Dunning. Stud, bonafide stud, Dane Dunning. The Before boy. they got John Gray this past offseason, well, Dane Dunning was their, their go-to guy, which speaks volumes about their rotation. So that's what I'm going to say, is Kirsch is going to be the top guy in the rotation. Kirsch, John Gray, Dane Dunning. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to move on to either Duty Stain, Miguel Big Dog, or Matthew Hoboken, no joking. Talk to me. Oh, yeah, I'll go real quick. Um... Mine, pretty simple. We're talking one of the big five shortstops on the free agent market this year. One of two left. His name is Trevor Story. Oh, the storybook. Folks, there's been a lot of talk about him and the Rockies. Yeah. And how the Rockies are weird and don't know what they're doing. And for some reason didn't trade him. And now here we are where he's going to leave him anyway. Yeah. And he's going to be heading to... The awful city of Philadelphia to play oh, for the Phillies. Stanky poo poo. Replace Didi Gregorius. We know Dave Oof. Dombrowski loves to spend the bucks. You could smell that Philly trash. He's going to pony up for Trevor Story, who's still super athletic. You know he's got a little pop. We, we, we could smell the city of Philadelphia from oh, here. And it absolutely stinks like a big old fashioned duke in the pantaloon. <laughs> So, but yeah, I think he's going to wind up playing for Philly and uh, put in the lineup with you know Mr. Harper and Mr. Real Muto. And oh, the boys! They'll they'll have a a competitive lineup on paper, probably flounder like they normally do, and don't Fuck make em. the postseason. Fuck them! But it'll be an exciting you know signing for the city of Philadelphia to get their hopes up just to yeah, be good for them. So. Good for them. Yeah, Doggy. I mean, I, I I like it. I think uh, I think we do, all but know do you the love Phillies. It and do you love it? And do you even gotta have it? Cold I don't style. gotta have it. I I think Trevor Story. I don't know where he goes. I I've, Boston seems to be picking up some steam, even as uh, we're not really having too many rumors. But Boston uh, seems to be picking up steam there. I don't know. I I, I mean, he's a, he might be the steal of the off season when it's all said and done. I don't know what contract he's gonna get, but it's a story. This book. guy, like, I mean. You know, a year ago we were talking about that, like, maybe he was better than Lindor. And I know Lindor didn't have a great year either, but, like, you know, it was that, like, he was supposed to be getting that type of deal. And yeah. he's not going to, he's not going to get it now. Nope. Um, so maybe he takes a one-year deal. I don't really know. Anyway. Let's see. 
All right. I am also going to the city of trash, but I'm not giving him Trevor's story. You know, I'm going to give him someone else, and here's why it makes sense. Folks, they were talking to him, this man, before the lockout started. All indications that they, they had some pretty deep conversations, but they just did not lock it down. And then you look at it and you say, oh, who's the hitting coach on the team of trash? Well, it's Mr. Kevin Long. Kevin Long, former Yankees hitting coach, former Mets hitting coach, former Washington Nationals hitting coach, where maybe this guy found his stroke officially. Where, where is he going with this? And I so, already know. Come on. And so you have the hitting coach there that, that, that has a great relationship with this player that maybe unlocked him. Uh, as the guy that we all thought he could be for years in Washington before he got traded to Boston. And I'm saying that Kyle Schwarber hitting some Schwar bombs in Philadelphia alongside Bryce Harper would be a very interesting uh, 2 3 or 3 4 in the lineup. Um, you know that they're ready to spend, and I think he makes sense uh, for their roster, especially if the DH goes there. Um, I, I just see it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me uh, for that to be something that uh, that takes place at some point. Let's see, folks. Let's see. I mean, after this lockout, that could be part of the new agreement is DH and the NL. That's what the yeah. owners want. Any trade predictions from you guys? None. Nope. No trade predictions. Nothing in specific, but I think it's very obvious that the Oakland A's are going to trade probably three or four of their best players this offseason. Carpenter's and going. some young talent and revert back to the... Uh, we're waiting for our minor leaguers to get ready, and then they'll be really competitive for a few years, never make it past the divisional round, and then yep. reset. Yep. So, Tell as old as yeah. time. It's going to be crazy to see what they do. Uh, that's money ball, really, baby. Yankees that's money ball, that's money ball for you, baby. Come on. Yankees line up so well with them. Uh, they have the all the positions that the Yankees need, um, whether it be Murphy, a catcher who's not being talked about a lot, Frankie Montas, Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya in the rotation would all, uh, you know, be nice pieces for the Yankees. Laureano, and of course Matthew Olston. Uh, I'm getting that jersey if he comes to New York. So come on. Uh, I I would love to see the Yankees get two pieces from the Athletics in a deal. I'm not going to get greedy and go for three, and I won't be insane and go for four. I'm just going to try and be a little realistic here on what they would have to give. I'm going to put um, a real big duty stick on that, but I, you know. I just think, that, I'm not saying it happens. Own. I just think it is a, it's okay. a match made in heaven. It's a match made in heaven. Match Fun fact about Frankie Montas. Uh, I have two signed rookie cards of Frankie Montas. Wow. So if, finished, if anybody maybe, wants, hit up your boy. He's got you. Key finished sixth in the Cy Young this year. Well, so, I need him to win first, it so I can speed. sell those cards for a little quiche. Yeah, I mean, he's, oh, uh, well, he's so, pretty so good. Maybe some Quiche Lorraine. Ooh. Oh, first grade, the, in my yearbook, I wrote favorite food, Quiche. <laughs> Everyone else is writing hot dogs and shit. I wrote fucking Quiche. That was me in first grade. So come on, baby. Sounds, Everybody loves a little Quiche right. Lorraine. Big shout out to Grandma's Restaurant in Yorktown Heights, New York on Route 202. Oh, I've been Ex- there. I've been excellent there. Excellent Quiche Lorraine. Do they still have the, uh, the, the big grandma in the front? Right in front, baby. Right come in on. front. Unbelievable. I've you been there plenty it. of times. Grandma's pies. Of times. They got great pies. They got great quiche Lorraine. They got some nice grandma figurines right in front. You got to go there. Good to know it's still open. Good to know it's still open. I, I think it is. I hope it is. All righty. That's it. That's the podcast. Enjoy, everybody. Whatever. Love you. God bless. Fuck Trump. Come on. You know how we do it. Let go. See you.